0: I sing a song of the saints of God, patient and brave and true, who toiled and fought and lived and died for the Lord they loved and knew. And one was a doctor, and one was a queen, and one was a shepherdess on the green, they were all the saints of God and
1: I God help me to be one too. Hello and welcome to Tea Time Theology. My name is Ivy Swinski, and today we're talking with the Reverend Robert Pace of Trinity Episcopal Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Robert, hi, how are you doing?
2: I'm great, Ivy, thank you. Thank thank you for having me.
1: Yes, of course. So we are talking about zachariah today who i don't know if he's one of the more known prophets maybe maybe i'm just a nerd who knows um but would you mind um just sort of setting us in who he was and like what his deal was kind of
2: so i am um, i really dig Zechariah because there are actually two zacharias in the bible we have Zechariah, uh, the Old Testament prophet of Zechariah, and then we have Zechariah who is the father of John the Baptist. So I'm, I'm, I I'm like both of them. They're both just delightful fellows. And um, my, my favorite one is probably Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, um, because we have the song of Zechariah that we say Particularly, we Episcopalians uh, say the Song of Zechariah frequently if we do the daily office and things like that. But uh, the, the the Old Testament prophet Zechariah was one of what what's often called the uh, one of the uh, twelve minor prophets of the Old Testament. He did some great prophesying, as you know, prophets mm-hmm. do. That was very hopeful, a very hopeful type of prophesying. Uh, right at the time of the restoration of the temple, and then I think that there's really a link between him and the prophet, who is the father of John the Baptist, because what he said and did was very hopeful about you know the coming of uh, John the Baptist, who would then you know say, "Hey, the Messiah is coming. Someone else is coming." So these two link together, and I'll be happy to kind of. Talk about the both of them, but really focus on our our New Testament. Zechariah is who I who I really dig.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I will be fully honest. I did not realize there were two until I started researching for for this podcast, and I was like, none of them are talking about the dad of John the Baptist. Did I like pick the wrong person? Did I say the wrong name? And then I was like, oh no, there there are just two. That makes yeah really more sense. yeah. So let's start with the dad of John the Baptist because I feel like that's one that most people will probably be more in tune with. So a big part of his story, I would say, is that he gets turned mute Yeah. by the angel Gabriel. And my first question to you is, why do you think it was important for him to go through this? silent period or do you think it was just like an annoyed angel proving a point
2: yeah it's it's really it's really a fascinating part of the story so here he is he's he's a priest uh he's part of the priestly line uh of Aaron, which everybody has to be in the priestly line of Aaron if you're going to be uh a, if you're going to be a priest and so he he shows up there at the um you know they they all have assigned times, and it's his time to go in, into the temple, and he's assigned to uh, give offering of incense, and he's there in the temple, and suddenly this angel shows up, and uh, in the Gospel of Luke, it tells us that uh, he and his wife have not had children, and um, and the angel Gabriel says to him, "Well." Um, your, your prayer has been answered. Now, we haven't been told anywhere that, that Zechariah has actually given this prayer, had this prayer, that Zechariah hasn't verbally said this prayer. Hey, you know, God, give me a child. But presumably, Zechariah has been praying this. I mean, maybe that's something that's part of the story here in the background. And um, your prayer has been answered. You will have a son, you're going to name him John, you know, very specific kind of details. You're going to name him John, uh, and these these are the details. And in in that moment, I mean, this is one of those things that here, you know, an angel shows up and gives you all these details, and Zechariah, I mean, have great sympathy for him. He says, well, you know, can I ask some questions here? I mean, he doesn't say it in the Gospel of Luke. He says, you know, can you tell me a little bit more? Can I ask some details? And the angel says, "Well, since you doubted me, you're not going to be able to speak. Um, I'm going to make you mute until the time that this actually happens." And this is one of the really fascinating parts about this is that you know, if, if we're just having sympathy for Zechariah, I mean, any one of us, if we're trying to put ourselves in his place, we might actually asks the question, well, what the heck is happening here? What is going on? And he has been described in the Gospel of Luke as a man of incredible faith. He's been described as tremendous faith, as somebody, both he and his wife Elizabeth have been described as without fault, without blemish. And, you know, to be without fault and without blemish To ask questions of the representative of God is, you know, wait a second, this is this is one of the problems. And you're going to be made mute because of this. What is very interesting in the Gospel of Luke is the very next story is the very same angel, Gabriel, visits Mary. And you know, the annunciation happens and visits Mary and tells her just as. You know, just as outrageous a story, oh, by the way, Mary, you are going to be with child, and uh, this is this is how this is going to happen. And if we look at that text closely, Mary says, uh, hold on, Gabriel, how can this be? <laughs> uh, I'm a virgin. And Gabriel says, well, you know, it's going to be okay, The you are faithful. This is how this is going to happen. And then Mary goes on and says, "Well, let it be as let it be as you have said. You know, let it be as God is, God wills it." You know, she she goes on, and the angel does not make Mary mute. <laughs> I mean, she 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 doesn't. So there's an interesting parallel here uh, between the two that she's able to go on, uh, and and Zechariah is not. Uh, it, he has to go out mute. So I'll, 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 I think there's an interesting parallel between the two of these, um, but the, the, the same angel, almost the same circumstance, but Zechariah is held to this interesting standard that you can't even question. Mary can question, but she almost gets a little bit of pass on that immediate question. And then she shows her faithfulness. Do, do, do as your will says, and, and goes on uh, with that
1: why do you think that is why do you think mary is allowed to question in a way that zachariah isn't
2: and you know it's it's one of those really interesting questions i don't know the answer to it it's one of those things to ponder as mary pondered these things in her heart <laughs> um one thing is is that um you know Zechariah as a priest luke is about the narrative right so one part of the narrative that happens in there, right there, is, you know, Mary is visited privately, but but Zechariah is visited in the temple in the sanctuary, and one of the results of being visited in the sanctuary, it says, the entire assembly is gathered outside, and they're all waiting for him to come out to give the priestly blessing, and part of the get, making him mute is then the entire assembly knew something had happened. Uh, the entire assembly knew that, first of all, the fact that it was taking him so long, they were all, you know, the, the Luke tells us that the entire assembly knew that there must have been some kind of an encounter with the divine or the encounter of some sort, the fact that he had had a vision or something, the fact that he was taking so long in there. And then when he came out and he could not give the priestly blessing, because that's part of the deal. If you are a priest and you're actually doing the, the, the incense uh, offering or something at the altar, you come out and then give the priestly blessing to the assembled. And he came out and that's the one thing he could not now do, right? He was made mute. And so he came out and he could not do the one thing that was his duty as a priest that he could, they only did like twice a year, right? Like, Everyone who's in the priestly order, they they rotate on this. And this was his, like, once every six-month thing that he gets to do. He doesn't get to do that now. And think of the impact of that is that the assembly's waiting and he can't do it. And now that tells the assembly something big just happened. Something big just happened. Now, what it is, they don't know. But they know that there's been an encounter of some sort. Now, for Mary, you know she was she was, you know who is she? You know she's, uh, you know th- this is an interesting juxtaposition. For if 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 the angel had made her mute, nobody would have noticed. Uh, so so uh, it it didn't it didn't matter. So it, was, it wouldn't have mattered in that way to allow her to continue on and the narrative to continue on. I think is it's an interesting juxtaposition. So.
1: Do you think that he was made mute as a punishment or as a teaching tool for the assembly in that context?
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's interesting. Um, uh, I maybe maybe it's a teaching tool, and then also it also will um, make what comes next for him and his story all the more powerful. Because, of course, the thing that we do remember Zechariah for, what we will remember Zechariah for is his most powerful um, song, is the song of Zechariah and um, what will come. But that's going to come nine months later. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And a song that comes out, that bursts out of someone who has not been able to actually proclaim anything for nine months the assembly listens to someone who has not been able to speak for nine months. And then when he finally does speak, they're listening. They're going, oh, he has something to say now. And, and, and they were able to hear, you know, if he'd been jabbering away for nine months, <laughs> yeah. they, there's, oh, there's just Zachariah talking again. But wait a second. He he's been quiet for nine months. And then when he finally spoke, oh, the words he spoke you know this was this is it and the, oh that's the sp- that's the priest who hadn't spoken that's the sp- priest who could not speak and now hear the words that he's speaking i mean that i think that's the i think that was the point
1: so let's talk a little bit about the song of zechariah sure. because as you said that is like his thing that is what he's most known for
2: so, the, so what happens in the story then is um, we finally get to the actual birth of John. Um, and this is um, in the narrative, you know, uh, Elizabeth had, had, had become pregnant and, um, and we have the really nice interlude between where Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. Mary, after Mary becomes pregnant, she goes and visits Elizabeth. And we have the little, lovely story in the countryside of Elizabeth uh says oh my you know the 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 baby within Elizabeth kind of kicks at the at the uh when when Mary comes forward and says oh my child knows that your child is is something and all that and that's when we hear Mary proclaim the magnificat and you know that my soul proclaims the the gladness of the lord and that's so we have the magnificat and then we kind of move forward and then with the birth of um, with the birth of John, um, we move forward to basically the, the presentation of John, the circumcision, of the presentation. And we have this really interesting thing of, uh, of they like, well, what, what are you going to name him? And everybody presumed that we're going to name him Zechariah. I mean, you're going to name him after his father. Uh, are you going to name him Zechariah? And uh, Elizabeth said, "No, we're going to name him John." And everybody's, well, you know, this, you know, that's not that makes no sense. Why would you call him John? This is, you know, this this doesn't mean anything. And um, then Zechariah writes down, "John." Yes, th- he will be named John. And when he does, when he writes down John, his his lips are loose. His 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 voice is loosed. He's able to speak because he has been faithful to what he had promised the 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 angel back at, at the temple and um everybody you know the assembled the assembled masses who are all there at the dedication are are amazed at this then the question is what is he going to do now that he can speak and what he does of course is he immediately starts to glorify the lord now that's 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 what luke tells us he immediately starts to glorify the lord and to do that, and then he launches into this, this what's called the Song of Zechariah. And the Song of Zechariah is really, really neat in that it has kind of two major parts. The first part is the the benedictus, the benediction, the blessing. Uh, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel has come to his people and set them free, and kind of goes from that. And so the first kind of six six verses is all The first half is really all about uh, what is God doing? What has God been doing? What will God do for God's people? That's the prophetic part. That's, that's That's the prophetic part about what God's doing. All about hope. All about kind of setting things into this historical narrative all about the forefathers and uh, about, you know, Abraham delivering us from our enemies. You know, this is God working with us, all this kind of stuff. And then there's this amazing shift. And I, I just always, I I have to say that I, I still get almost goosebumps as I think about this, this shift that happens. And I particularly think about Zechariah and baby John. Um, I, I almost always picture this as that, you know, Zechariah's holding baby John in his arms, and and there's that middle, he says, you child shall be called the prophet of the most high, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. You know, there's that right there in the middle, you child shall be called, and from that point on, this is all, that part of the Benedictus, that part of the song of Zechariah is all about uh, what John the Baptist will be, but it's all, a, it's all a prophecy about the coming of the Messiah, too. You know, what will the prophet of the Most High do? Uh, the prophet of the mo- Most High is going to give people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins and the tender compassion of our God. The dawn from on high will break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our way. Uh, guide our feet into the way of peace i mean this very sweet and tender thing and i just picture i picture zachariah just saying that very sweetly looking into the eyes of his baby john that that's what that's what your role is just to to, to god is to be the the one who is going to got who's going to usher in the, the messiah to do all of this for us and that's it i just you know who knows if that's how it happened but that's how i picture it happening (laughs) that's that's Mm -hmm. what he did um and what an amazing thing we go from this 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 blessing of you know god has blessed us blessed us as a people all the way and then you're gonna get us to the you're gonna get us to the finish line (laughs) that's kind of the way this is and that's that's what this song is and and what how how zechariah frames this So um, I think it's beautiful. It's a beautiful
1: song. I think what's kind of interesting is that there is a lot of instances of maternal love within Mm -hmm. the Bible, Mm -hmm. I think you could say. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: But I think that there's a special sweetness in this being a father's love. And I think there's a really interesting part where that's not something we have seen as often come up in the bible at least i think so
2: no I, I agree i think i think there is there's a lot of um there's a lot of sense throughout the bible because it is because it is written in a time and a place that is patriarchal in the sense that you know there's a, there's a sense of uh, patriarchal sense of this is um orderly patriarchy but not showing love patriarchy right mm-hmm. it's a you know it's it's um that doesn't doesn't allow for the kind of tenderness the kind of tenderness of love that uh that i that i see in this and uh I, what i see in this is is um a real sense of of the hope that is infused throughout of this throughout all of this and and, and i do i do think that this you know that there is real linkages all the way through i mentioned the the old testament prophet zechariah and one thing i think that is the the links between the two the old testament prophet zechariah just just as a quick segue here was right at the time of the rebuilding of the temple He, he right at the time so about 520 518 he was um he was writing right about that time and one of the most important things about the the book of zechariah that he wrote was he was prophesying uh all about hope for the future all about that god's tenderness and uh, you know was was going to be with us and he, he was basically trying to sell people on it's it's okay to come back and be part of the temple and come be here because the tenderness of god is going to be here with us and I don't think it's an accident that that our Zachariah, I'll call I'll I'll go so far as to call him our Zachariah, that our Zachariah is using that same kind of imagery of God's tenderness and being tender in this moment um, for that, that that we're beckoning through time to these two kinds of these two Zacharias for this, that that there is tenderness in this song, tenderness to his baby who will grow up to be you know i mean and i don't think anybody i don't think anybody thinks of john the baptist as tender right You know, john the baptist is kind of wild and out there and talks about you know broods of vipers and does all this kind of stuff but i love the idea that his daddy might have been tender right you know that that that, that 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 there was this moment where that's that's how he got his start that 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 was the that was the point to, to, to get him to be be tender in that moment and, and that's that, that I think that's as we make this part of our practice to read this to kind of read it tenderly to read it tenderly <laughs> so and, and infuse that in it so
1: how is this canticle used in our worship lectionary when is it brought out and why do you think it's brought out in those certain services cuz it's not like a, a sunday morning every nice right. and creed moment it's like right. so why do you think it's important to the services it's included in
2: well and what I, are I'll, the
1: services I,
2: i'll start by saying that this canticle this this uh, canticle itself is probably one of the earliest Christian hymns used in Christian worship. So this, you know, that that Christian, you know, Christian worship going back to the earliest Christian communities probably used this hymn, probably used the Song of Zechariah in their worship. Um, this alongside of, alongside of um, like Philippians two two uh, six and the and the prologue to John. They're little kind of snippets that are are just little snippets of scripture that are used as hymns, and this is one of the earliest ones. And what's unique about this one is the, those other ones uh, all are Christological; they they describe Jesus and you know aspects of Jesus. What's unique about this one is it's not one that specifically describes Jesus; it describes the coming of Jesus, right? But it doesn't describe Jesus himself, right? It describes, you know, the coming of Jesus. And that's one of the things that's really unique about this one. So that's as a prologue to, to answer your question. So I love the idea that this hymn, this canticle, is something that has been used consistently in Christian worship probably since there has been Christian worship. That, that That's just cool to me. Um, where it became consistently used um, is in the uh, rule of Benedict and in um, medieval uh, medieval worship. It was used specifically in morning prayer and lauds, what they called lauds in the daily office, which became morning prayer. It was most often used uh, as the canticle, most often after the gospel reading, but often sometimes it didn't matter, but it was almost always after the gospel reading. And that got transferred then to our Book of Common Prayer, and so uh, if you if you look in our uh, Book of Common Prayer, we have a uh, we have a, a, a suggested uh, page of suggested canticles, um, and uh, it suggests uh, that we read this on uh, in on morning in morning prayer on Sundays and Wednesdays and every feast day. So uh, when so it's, it is suggested, you know, you, you don't have to do it, but it is suggests that anytime we do morning prayer on Sundays, Wednesdays, or any feast day that we we do this. And then the other place that in the Book of Common Prayer, it's, uh, it is an option is that at funerals, at burial services, uh, it is an option to read this uh, As the at the very end of the funeral service, as uh, the body is being uh, carried out of at the end of at the end of the liturgy, that is that is an option to do that. And um, and I I will say, um, at the first parish where I was after seminary, that was actually the practice at that parish, and it was I I had actually not experienced that at at, uh, Episcopal funerals but it was the practice at the, at the parish where I was, is that, uh, that at the very end, as, as the kind of, as the processional at the procession out, you very, uh, not somberly actually, just almost, almost with joy, read this canticle uh, as we processed out with the casket, uh, heading toward, you know, the, the heading toward the hearse, heading toward this, the cemetery. And, it was beautiful it was a beautiful practice that we did at that at that um at that parish to do that at the end of at the end of every funeral Uh, so it it just just depends it's just an option but those are the main places that I that I that I see it but um Sundays Wednesdays and feast days and morning prayer and then um and then some funerals (laughs) so why
1: why do you think it is used in the funeral service, because I'll be honest, I had only ever had it um, used in like Advent services or anything like that. So when you had mentioned funeral services, I was really intrigued by what about these words felt so, important for that service.
2: So I think I think for the for the funeral service particularly, as as you imagine, as you're as you're walking out, as you're walking out, you've just been through this this whole and of course the Episcopal funeral service is, is a is a service of resurrection right It's a service that talks about the joy of resurrection, the, the joy of you know it is an Easter service. And so as you as you're uh, walking out, you, you say uh, that uh, that to give the people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins and the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high, Shall break upon us, and to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. I mean, that language uh, sounds very hopeful, very, very much like um, what is to come. Is there, there's not a finality in death? There's not a finality in uh, in what is, what we what we're experiencing, what we're grieving now. That there's there's more to come. And um the, the 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 light shining from on high is going to shine upon all those who have died and all, you know, there, there's there's language beyond uh, the, the the sadness of what we're experiencing here. And um, I think particularly as we're walking down that that center aisle heading out, uh, that that just feels joyful. And I think there's something, really powerful to that, that those words that go back 2000 years can also uh, resonate in that way as well.
1: So what happens to Zachariah after this moment?
2: Well, what's, it's difficult to say because it does not say in the scripture itself. <laughs> However, there are traditions <laughs> that say that Zechariah was martyred. Um, the there are there are lots of stories about Zechariah being martyred. Um, there is a reference in there, there. There's actually one reference in the Gospel of Matthew uh, where Jesus says Jesus names Zechariah. Now we don't know if it's the same Zechariah, but there is a tradition that says this is the same Zechariah um, in Matthew chapter twenty-three. Uh, Jesus is berating, berating the Pharisees and the scribes and the hy- hypocrites. And he says, um, the blood of Zechariah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the, art, the altar will be upon your heads and things like that. And so there are some who believe that this is the same Zechariah and that, uh, that Zechariah was, was murdered, was mal- martyred. Um, the tradition got the tradition of Zechariah's martyrdom got more cemented because of what's known as the Gospel of James, which is um, a non-canonical gospel that was published in the second century. Uh, the Gospel of James is a really I, I, I always recommend to read it. It is a fascinating, non-canonical gospel it, it tells lots of stories about it's one of those gospels that does have a what we call an alternative birth narrative uh for jesus and and uh there, there's a lot it's a, it's a fascinating uh gospel but there are actually two chapters in that gospel of james that talk about the martyrdom of zechariah and what the story there actually goes on to tell is that when king herod um did the murder of the innocents you know when he put out the decree to uh, kill all children under the age of two because he 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 wanted to kill the you know get get the messiah you know um that um he set out the soldiers to kill all children under the age of two and this is when uh joseph and mary took jesus on the flight to egypt right but um they the soldiers showed up at Zechariah's uh place and um Zechariah had sent Elizabeth into hiding with baby John and um of course baby John was one of those children under the age of 2 and the soldiers demanded to know where John was and Zechariah wouldn't give up the hiding place so according to the story in the gospel of James the soldiers then killed Zechariah and that's that's the that's the story that uh, is in the Gospel of James, and that story actually then has has kind of resonated throughout time and history. That that's kind of the story of the martyrdom of of Zechariah, that that he was killed on orders from Herod, uh, as part of as part of that. And you know, we don't know, but that's you know. It, it, it's not unreasonable that that might've happened, um, you know? So that's that's how that. And
1: that kind is. of continues this story of father we love that we kind of are getting with exactly. Zachariah of this idea of a father giving up their own life for their child and working with them. Because I, I always think it's interesting that you don't really hear about Joseph and jesus's relationship the same way you hear about mary and joseph's mary and joseph's and mary and jesus's i think it's fascinating i I don't actually have a point besides i think it's interesting that um we really get this father-son love and relationship with john and his dad in a way that we don't get with jesus and we get jesus with like big
2: father but um,
1: but not specifically with his earthly parents as it were
2: (laughs) that's right so no i i do think yeah that's that the ultimate the ultimate love the ultimate sacrifice is to lay down his life for his for his child and i think i do think there is something to it and um i think it's i think it's i think it's entirely plausible that that's that's what might have happened in this and um um, it's it's a powerful a powerful story and uh, and the idea that that Jesus mentions it in Matthew, uh, you know that 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 the blood of Zechariah is is somebody killed him you know whether well, it's the same Zechariah but that there is a Zechariah that was killed and then we have this story over here I think there's there's some validity to the possibility that that's it and um, so and and yeah that's it's a powerful. A powerful image.
1: And what do you think we're supposed to take from Zachariah's story? What are we supposed to learn from him or not learn?
2: I I really think about his humanity, honestly, because uh, going back to the very first of the story in Luke with him is that he's named as this very faithful person. He's a faithful priest. Which okay, that's great, and that's really wonderful to be faithful and all that. But honestly, if I were to encounter an angel who's telling me stuff, the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say, no, wait a second. <laughs> what, <laughs> wait, what's going on here? I'm not sure I'm getting this. I mean, uh, you know, what do you mean my prayers are answered? and you know, I, I, I mean, I don't I don't know that I would buy the idea that, that uh, faithfulness means just blindly going, yeah, I'll do whatever you say. And I I actually really admire the fact that Zechariah stopped and said, hold on a second, you know, as faithful as I am, I've got some questions. And then he still followed through. And then he followed through with this amazing faithfulness of not only doing what he needed to do but showing this incredible love to his child and and did it in in this way that, that stood the test of time. You know we we have this evidence of this the song this song that we 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 can we can follow through on in, in the way we worship and the way we do it. I think that's just amazing. So he's he's he is a he's somebody we can really emulate
1: and how did um old testament Zechariah? what what was the end of his story
2: so we don't that's the other part is we don't know exactly we don't have a lot of a lot of information on exactly what happened to him historically um again um the first several books they think the first eight books of uh Zechariah, the book of Zechariah, are written by Zechariah, the prophet and then the next several books are probably written by one of his disciples and maybe another couple written by another disciple so we don't actually know what happened uh, but we do know that um, he was um, he was a faithful prophet in that time period but we don't really know what happened to him but um, he, he made a difference <laughs> so
1: is there any sort of last thoughts you have about zachariah or sort of the whole circumstances around him and how he intersects with so many other important people i like to think that there's another version of that country scene with elizabeth and mary with joseph and zachariah both being Uh. like what is happening what is going on
2: I, I, you know, I actually, I love that image. Does that, you know, cause Elizabeth and Mary are there. You, I love the idea that Joseph and Zechariah are also going, Hey guy, uh, you know, let, I, well, but let's see, of course, at the time, Zachariah can't talk and Joseph wow. is probably just going, Oh my gosh. You know? But they're, they're at least hanging out and just saying, you know, <laughs> let's, let's just sit over here and shake our heads. And, but, you know, they had to have talked afterwards and they've just commiserate with each other. And, 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 enjoy their families. I mean, their, their, their families are together and that's, you know, you know, they've got to support each other and that's, that's a great image, isn't it? That's a really lovely image that they've, they've supported each other. And, um, that's really kind of a cool image. So I, I I hadn't, I hadn't put that together. I like that. I really like it. (laughs) You know, I'll just say, you know, one of the things I'll just, I'll, I'll mention this. One of the, um, when I have I have a I have a daughter who's uh, 27 now, but when she was a baby, I remember reading the Song of Zechariah and holding her, um, and and doing this and and uh, that. You, my child, will be called the prophet. Now I never put that on her, but uh, <laughs> but you know, but the idea that you know of of having of seeing the child and and holding the child and thinking thinking that, um, is the 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 tactile imagery of that is really the powerful thing and i i i really um i think that that's i think that's what zachariah just knowing that zachariah had that feeling for his baby is uh something that is a powerful image for us to 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 take with us so yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today.
2: Um, this is so much fun. So.
1: Great. Our, how can we connect with you? Is there any social media we should follow? Uh,
2: well, uh, really mas- mainly uh, Fort, Worth, Fort Worth Trinity.org is our website. And um, I know we have social media, but <laughs> I'm. It's all based off of fortworthtrinity.org trinity.org so I'm um, uh, I know that it's I' I'm I, I don't I, I don't know what all of it is so you're not
1: the tech guy so here. I was about to
2: say Sarah who is our communication person is now going to shoot me when I <laughs> so she's gonna say she said she'll tell me okay it, it was this one this one this one but I'm Sarah do, Sarah does all of that and I'm I, I don't so but fortworthtrinity.org trinity.org, has all of our social media links on it and um we had, and sarah does wonderful social media <laughs> off of that so but um but i don't so but no. um
1: wonderful well thank you so much
2: this is this has been a lot of fun so they
1: lived
0: not only in ages past there are hundreds of thousands still the joyous saints who love to do Jesus' will. You can meet them in school or in lanes or at sea, in church or in trains or in shops or at tea, for the saints of God are just folk like me, and I need to be one too. Thank you for listening to Tea Time Theology, a ministry of St. John's Cathedral in Rhode Island. We would like to thank our producers, Mo Akande, Ivy Swinsky, and Taylor Wilkie. Special thanks to Mo Akande and David Hines for the season three music, and our sponsors, the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island and the Right Reverend Nicholas Nisley. Follow us at Tea Time Theology on all social medias.